This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Cavalry Audio. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thanks for listening, all seven of you. That's awesome. Uh, today, I've got action sport doer, American flag hoister, former U.S. Navy SEAL author, host of Frogman Friday, and the founder of Sons of the Flag and the Bird's Eye View Project. I have Ryan Birdman Parrot. How you doing, buddy? I'm st- I'm super excited to be here, man. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Love it. You're a local guy. You're in the studio, and I've had this current debate going for a while now on what to call this thing. What would you call it? Would you call it a cave, a studio, a uh, a garage, a shop. I mean, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Multiversal. Yeah, this yeah. is sick. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what to actually. The layer. Hey, we're at layer. Layer. We're at the layer. Yes. We're at the cave. We're at the man place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, dude, it's good to be here. You're local. We never see each other. You're good about hitting me up. I'm horrible about responding, but, you know, I, I don't have any excuses other than I tend to ignore my phone most of the time because I hate it. What about you? Are you kind of like a fuck technology person? Absolutely. Or? I mean, that's the only way we run today, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like, all right, I'm going to put that off for a while. And, you know, we've been busy. Everybody's getting busy and yeah. there's so much opportunity out there right now. So you got to seek it. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. It's like one thing after another. And before you know it, the year's gone by and you're putting up Christmas lights, taking them down, then back into the summer and you're trying to take clothes off because you can't get cool enough. And then you're right back to putting a bunch of clothes on to try and stay warm. It's just a cycle. Just keeps going. It's fucking stupid. Um, Okay. (laughs) So as usual, we're going to start with your rapid fire. I hope this is fun for you, but we'll find out. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Throwing star or blowgun? Throwing star. Throwing star. Why? Cooler. Yeah, throwing star cooler. is cooler. I mean, ninjas are cool. Everybody I, grew up with throwing stars. Right. Every want, every kid wanted a throwing star. And where are they now? Like, is it illegal or something? I was not allowed to be a ninja. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've actually Googled them from time to time. And you can buy, I got some really cool custom ones. I don't know where they're at that some guy made. But, um, but you just can't find them anymore. My I, wife I'm, Googled them not too long ago because she wants them. My wife's from Russia. So that's not fucking happening. Mm, Yeah. yeah. It's dangerous. (laughs) Especially right now. (laughs) 
What does she think of Putin and his decisions? She doesn't. She yeah. voted for Trump. She voted for Trump? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of makes sense. I think Trump and Putin are buddies, right? Totally. So the media says. Yeah. Um, okay. Next. Boots or sandals? Sandals. Sandals. Yeah. Sandals guy. Me too. Even though I never... Since I've been out, I, I wore them all the time at like most team guys from the West Coast where you've got your flip-flops with your jeans and everybody looks at you funny, but it's normal there. But as soon as you start doing it somewhere else, people are like, oh, it's kind of strange. Yeah. yeah. You know, we evolved. It was Tevas first, right? Did you? Were you on the East Coast all the time? Or? West Coast. West Coast. Okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, it started with Tevas when I first came in. Then those became kind of gay, like the 1980s version of gay. So don't get offended out there. Um <laughs> And then we switched to flip-flops for most of the part, right? Were you... And then you moved to Texas and everybody's got cowboy boots. And I'm like, why don't you get <laughs> yeah. these? And I'm like, wait, I'm from Michigan. I don't know anything about cowboys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're just, uh, yeah. Sandals are more relaxed, more comfortable. I yeah. like them too. Um, and I can't feel my feet anymore anyway. So, even when it's cold out, wearing sandals, I, it, they do fine. Right? I just have no point to use boots. <laughs> yeah, no boots. Um, sand or snow? Snow. Snow? Mm -hmm. Are you, uh, is that because you're like, skier snowboarder kind of guy or skier snowboarder everything winter sports i'm from michigan played yeah. ice hockey my whole life so, oh okay yeah i like the winter so uh surfing i love surfing but, but i would always go to the hills yeah gotcha yeah. big mountain skills or hospital bills oh yeah i've never heard that one <laughs> yeah. is that a bumper sticker up there uh not yet <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah uh okay this one's right up your alley parachute or bungee jump parachute Parachute. All right. Sure. And then, of course, what if you did parachute from an aircraft versus base jump? Which one would you go base with? Base jump. Base jump. Because that's your thing, right? Yeah. I mean, base jumping is... It's the most primal thing you can do. I mean, let's ex-nay war on that for a second. Yeah. Because anybody can go do this. And and, and re re let's review. Base stands for what again? B -A -S -S. Building Antenna Span Bridge Earth. Okay, and so. have you done all four? All four. Multiple times? Yep. Okay, and we're going to dig into that here in a minute. Um, okay, Rolex or G-Shock? G-Shock. G-Shock, yeah. What Was that what was issued when you went in? Yeah, yeah. Me too. And then it evolved into Suntos, and then finally, you know, switching to, I think they switched 100% to these Garmin's now, the the, the Phoenix series, I think. I only yeah. did eight years, so we were just G-Shocks. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, G-Shocks are cool. Okay. Uh, UDTs or Silkies? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's a hard one. Yeah. Silkies. Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. I think UDTs are cool only because they just have that tradition and history. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, and they turn your balls and the head of your dick into like steel from chafing all the time. But, yeah, they're terrible. But Silkies are far more comfy, for yeah. sure. Which the Marines, I think... Uh, kind of own that term. Did you ever get a pair of UDTs that didn't have like five names already stenciled and crossed out on it though? It's like we're wearing everybody yeah. else's ball sweats. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a little gross, but you know, there is a brotherhood there. Yes. Yeah. And they smell good too. <laughs> um, kettlebells or dumbbells? Kettlebells. Yeah, me too. For sure. I think uh, it's because most people look at those as if it's a novice or someone who doesn't understand them, they think kettlebells and, and, and dumbbells are supposed to be used kind of the same. When right. the reality is the kettlebell is a full body exercise tool if done properly, right? It's so much more versatile. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. You can do a lot with them. Dumbbells, you can, I've seen people start to take dumbbells to the next level and doing, you know, more full body stuff with it. Um, but yeah, I'm a kettlebell person myself too. Um, Fixed wing or uh, Hilo? Hilo. Hilo, why? 
I don't like landing in airplanes as much as that is the weirdest thing because you're trusting that pilot to make that landing every time. I yeah. just don't like, plus it takes too long to get to where I want to go where helicopters just go straight up and go down. You can jump out of it. It's kind of almost dead air exits. So yeah. I'm always thinking about jumping out of this stuff, not just flying in it. Right. So I like helis. So jumping out, you get the free fall effect. Well, you jump can, out of a helicopter. I mean, like you feel the fall. Yeah. I think most people don't understand that. Like if you're jumping out of a fixed wing platform, I mean like an aircraft with wings and it's moving, when you jump out, you don't get that much of a sensation that you're actually falling. Right? Well, you're already moving at terminal velocity when you exit. Yeah. Right. So as a helicopter, you're almost dead air exit. So you get that crazy, almost pit feeling stomach where you're like yeah. a roller coaster. Yeah. Plus it's quiet and you hear the wind go as you right, go out right, of it. Right. So there's just, and plus heli skiing, heli boarding. Yeah. It's just such an awesome application to get anywhere. So. Yeah. And so you being an extreme sport person, I mean, so yeah, you're picking the thing that's the most versatile, even though helos in the military are always called whistling shit cans of death <laughs> yeah. because a helicopter essentially isn't supposed to fly. Right. Every time we'd get off and get off a heli for an op, we'd fall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Run two feet and you just see the feet go in the air. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Speed or four by four? Speed. Speed. Yeah. You'd rather go fast than yep. tra uh, traverse terrain. I hate going slow. Yeah. 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 And I think there's a technical and a beauty to that technicalness, but for me, I just love speed. Yeah. You get tickets? Are you a ticket kind of guy? Are you ticket prone? I'm boring when I drive my normal car, oh, but then okay. again, it's, you know, an yeah. SUV. So yeah, yeah. They're not really looking for now. If I were you and had your ride, maybe. Yeah. Hauling ass. It's kind of, yeah, it's what we do. But I will race you. We should actually do this. I should actually get my wingsuit and jump and you should be on the actual tarmac and you just floor it and I'll see if I can beat you in my wingsuit. I think you'll probably beat me. Let's do it. Cause by the time you're that low, that how far would you be off the ground? Uh, so I'll still be high up, but we can put a camera over us to see. What's happening? Yeah. You know? Dude, yeah, we should do that. All right. That sounds like a good, no, it sounds like a great YouTube video. I'm in. It'll go viral. Um, okay. Rifle or bow? Rifle. Rifle. Yeah, me too. Yeah. This bow hunting thing, have you seen how much it's like been trending lately on uh, like social media and stuff? I was a sniper. And so what I do appreciate is how difficult, how much more you have to put into bow hunting to yeah. get closer to the animal, to truly understand your craft. But I'm also a guy who grew up in the city of Detroit, Michigan. We weren't <laughs> yeah. bow hunting or rifle hunting. And so I learned how to rifle just yeah. in the military. So that's for me. I agree. I like both. And, it, I, and it's like a mood thing for me. You know, you, patience and putting in the time and effort with a bow hunt, I think, is far more like a, an endeavor than with a rifle. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can set up and, you know, have some serious distance between you and your meat with a rifle and not have to put out so much energy, but with a bow, you got to get close and you got to be quiet and there's a lot going on there. So and you have to be more accurate too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Sure. Yeah. And you got to make sure it hits the right spot. Okay. So let's roll into this. Let's get to know you first. All right. So you went into the teams when? 2002. And what buds class were you in? 245 to start, finish with 246. 245 to 24. Was that an injury? Uh, land navigation primarily, but I got heat stroke third phase. Oh, wow. And that's the like worst scenario is, uh, getting rolled in third phase when you're about to graduate. Oh my God. It's like right there at the cusp and then you're rolled back another two months. You're like, come on. So, so were you rolled back to the beginning of third phase yeah. of the next class? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. at least you didn't have to like go d 
undo and redo a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I sucked at land nav again. You know, being from Michigan, grew up in the city, and so when we got out in the field, and I'm literally looking at this map and compass, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Where am I? And then they're like, oh, your point's somewhere out there, and it's the size of a you know a little stack, and you're like, oh shit. And then I'm completely lost and running around. So it didn't, I wasn't tracking. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. They, uh, well, I mean, if you're wearing a metal buckle, my compass didn't work so well that day, right? <laughs> you can blame it on the metal. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It only works once. Um, okay. So then you finish buds and you roll into which SEAL team did you go to? Went to Team Seven. Team Seven Alpha. It was was it new then? It was the second platoon. Yes. Yeah. So they had right. just opened up the year before. Okay. So just missed the plank owner spot, which yeah. matter because as a new guy, who cares? Right. Know? Yeah. But it was quite eye opening for sure. And then, uh, so how did that? How did your time in the teams kind of play out for you? You know, I was single in my career eight years, and I thought it was everything because I tried to get as many schools as I could. I mean, they kept offering, kept taking. Yeah. And I had nothing taking me back or holding me back. So I just lived every minute to the fullest between schools and doing workups. And during that time, it was, you know, the kickoff of the war. So a lot of our instructors hadn't seen war yet. And then they were all kind of like, you know, fuck you, man, because you're getting ready to go and you haven't even served in the teams. And I've been here for 10 years and I'm yeah. stuck in instructor duty. Uh, it was really cool, but it was nice because when I rolled into the platoon first time, um, everybody had combat experience. And so it wasn't like they were just selling me anecdotal bullshit. It was like, we just got back from war. We're telling you real stuff here. And that was cool because, you know, most of the guys, I was 20 when I joined the platoon. So most yeah. of the guys were 27, 28. They were so old. It was older. <laughs> yeah, old. <laughs> totally. Senior citizens. Yeah. And, but it was cool to hear that, have that leadership, that experience, and then go do it. And it's crazy, man. You know, first deployment, um, you know, you don't do much as a new guy. You're kind of in the back of the train, like, all right, squirter control, just kind of being out there. And then I got fucked up. I got blown up. And so my first deployment was cut short. No shit. Okay. So let's go through that. You, uh, was this an IED type deal or? Yeah. Pressure plate IED. It's like a 155. Uh, EOD went and did some diagnostics on afterwards, but blew the front end of our Hummer off. We were the first, the fourth car in our convoy. So how the hell they didn't hit it before us? but we exploded and sent shrapnel through the, the cockpit. I was actually in the turret, so it shot me straight out of the turret into the sky. And that's how I got the nickname Birdman. Cause it went like 6,000 feet up, you know, <laughs> really. Some say seven, uh, it was yeah. probably like blew up on top of the turret and then rolled off to the ground, but shrapnel burned first and second degree. And I was the least of the injured. So it was, yeah. uh, that's like I kind of so nuts. All the the important stuff, okay? Super important. It's good to go. It was good. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's what I think about all the time. They don't guys. tell you that too when you're doing like a medical check on yourself. They don't tell you to touch your crotch first, but you do. It's like instantly, <laughs> like I'm gonna override that with my own. Yeah. And so that was cool. <laughs> so let's break that down for those that don't know. Like when you say 155, we're, we're, what are we talking about there? It's like an anti tank mine, right? It's yeah. a very very big IED, and from what I understand, because I'm not an EO. I'm not an explosive, like taking bombs apart expert, but yeah. um, what they say is that it went low order. And so it was packed. So it was packed incorrectly. So it had air bubbles or air pockets in it. So it only blew to a certain debt weight, yeah. or as opposed to what it could have done, it could have completely annihilated us. Yeah. Um, but what it did, I mean, the Hummer took the brunt of it, right? So the front end was completely blown off. Um, the doors, they were an inch and a half. We'd just gotten those up armored Hummers. So those steel doors, it blew my driver through his door, blew my VC, my chief through his, his door, and they got fucked up pretty bad. So 
it was Damn. it was gnarly. But I took the path of least resistance. You know, 135 pounds, old Birdman. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Straight out. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, glad you made it through that and you're here. Uh, and then the other guys, they all make it through or? Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So everybody. That was the coolest thing the first time I saw like a team actually working a cohesive unit because, you know, we're, you know, when you're moving 60 miles an hour down the road and you get blown up, everybody's still cruising until yeah. they all stop. So we only had one vehicle that pulled up on us real quick in case you get ambushed. Right. So for that few minutes where you're trying to reorganize, you're wondering what's going to happen, getting yourself in a position, checking your buddies. And then everybody came back pretty quick. So it was like 22 minutes from the time that we were blown up to the time everybody was under the knife getting surgery. Damn. So yeah. That's pretty had, sweet. That's a, yeah. Cause I did the initial push when there was nothing. You were just like sleeping under your Humvee every night. You didn't have a place to sleep. You didn't have beds. You know, it was, uh, it was a different, I always tell people it was the closest thing to probably true combat because you don't have a home. You don't have like continuous supply of anything. And what we put in our Humvees, which were not armored up, they had plastic doors. That's all we had. Whatever you put in the Hummer and got on Highway 1 and drove north from Kuwait. <laughs> and you're just driving during the day, you know, four Humvees with a bunch of idiots in it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's what's interesting. And it was too. fun. That's interesting that I hear that because when I joined the platoon, the first deployment they went on, they were doing that. They were taking their body armor off, hanging in the doors, giving mm -hmm. themselves some extra, or sitting on their plates. Yeah. And then we show up for our next deployment. We got like housing or birthing and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know any better. This is pretty sweet. They're like, yeah. dude, we had none of this last deployment. The turnaround is fast it's if so you think fast. about it. I mean, and of course, that's where that's where all of uh, America's defense contractors are making bank, but yeah. putting that shit up in lightning speed. Yeah. Um, all right, so you got you got blown up. You're back to the states, or surgeries? Where'd you go? Did you go to Germany, and then, or did you come all the way back home? And yeah, I flew to Germany, and then I went to Balboa, so okay. San Diego. Yeah. Uh, but my injuries were small, so I was in and out of the hospital. But the command thought that it'd be better I'd stay back. And I'm like, why? Like, you know the deal. Like, I don't know much about being a team guy. I'm brand new, but I want to be back with the guys. Yeah. Um, and interesting, and I talked to the master chief. I'm like, hey, man, I want to go back overseas with the guys. And this is when they were doing rips, right? Oh, yeah. So our platoon actually went from Iraq to Philippine Islands, and vice versa, they flipped over. So I was like, well, I just want to get back with them. He's like, well, there's only one thing that supersedes an injury, and that's a qual. And I'm like, okay, what call are we talking? He's like, UAV. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So that's those unmanned aerial vehicles. So right. I had to go there for a couple of weeks, do that call, and then I got shipped back to the platoon. What the? It's so <laughs> fucking weird, right? I, mean, I threw it, and I was like, okay, so you're the new UAV pilot. Throw it up. Let's see what you got. And I threw it up, and I crashed it, and that was the end of my career with UAVs. Perfect. <laughs> I'm sure you did that on purpose. Totally. Yeah, I would, too. I was like, fuck this, man. Those things don't really – I mean, it's what? It's like one out of 10 times you throw them, they actually do what they're supposed to. Yeah. I mean, if you're, unless you're like a serious drone, like a legitimate pilot flying those real deal ones. Yeah. I mean, those weak ones that we had, the Raven A's and B's, they were just like. They yeah. Always they always nosedive. Mm -hmm. I saw it happen time and time again with us too. It's like, what the fuck is the purpose? Man. But there is times when it works. Like I remember uh, we were taken down. It was actually like, like a, a, a huge post office or, you know, mailing center of sorts. And like, you know, Intel was like, hey, Fedeen, there were a bunch of them there and they're storing a lot of weapons and rockets and all this crap there. And it was right near a, uh, like a railroad, you know, and so it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was on the outskirts of, uh, I don't remember which city, like Anasri or something. And um, we got that, that drone up and, it, you know, it actually took off first throw 
got it up, got it orbiting. That's impressive. And it had uh, the, the, you know, it had the, uh, the IR, the thermal payload on or whatever the hell it had. And it actually got great video of us moving in, take down, and then we set charges and just blew the whole fucking thing up when we left, you know, <laughs> and uh, got it. It was the only video that actually we got out of all the other attempts to try and get cool shit on video. <laughs> that was the only one. That's and awesome. it looked really cool. It reminded me of uh, what was that scene? One of the Tom Clancy movies where the SAS guys were moving across the desert to hit a, uh, a terrorist camp. It was when he was going after... Um, more like IRA type terrorists, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And it, it, remember that? I yep. don't know if you watched that movie. Yeah, yeah. It remind it looked just like that. Kind of reminded me of it because we had comms flowing through it, and it all sounded cool. <laughs> now, hell, I don't even know where the video went at this point. I remember hanging on to it for a long time, and then it got lost in the mix. We never had that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's probably a good thing. It's because I was the pilot. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. There, there you go. Mm. Okay. Let's see here. So you get back now. Did you get medically retired or do you just kind of like, hey, I'm done? What? You didn't know anything like I got a TBI and I didn't know about it. Right. We didn't talk about those in five. We didn't even know what they were. And kind of the deal was, you know, you get injured, whatever you do, everything you can to get back and then you go back and do it again. Yeah. And so I formed back up in another platoon at Team 7 Alpha Platoon. And that's what I was going to. My goal was just to keep pumping out platoons. So I uh, did five deployments, two mini deployments, one to Lebanon and one of the Philippine Islands. Those were fun, non-combat related. That's where I get a lot of my tattoos from. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the other three were to Iraq. And so 2009 was my last deployment to Iraq and I was in Basra. So I did Ramadi primarily my career and then Basra to finish it off, which was cool. Just a little different taste of a theater. Um, but in 09, I could see it start to die down. The war was definitely taking a turn and nobody was really doing anything. Yeah. So I was like, what are we doing here? Right. So let's move around, let's do something else. and. I didn't have enough leadership, another enough rank, so kind of just stayed put. So yeah. that was the impetus for me to say, all right, I'm gonna take a break now from doing pumps because doing a fourth uh, deployment or a fourth back-to-back -back rotation at Team Seven, like, yeah, you got to go do your time over at an instructor duty command. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna take some time, and that's when I decided to get out. So, so you didn't do the instructor route; you just bailed for seven, eight months. I really don't. You where, know, where were you teaching? Level two. Oh, got it. Yes. Very familiar. Nothing important about that, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, there really isn't. It's like a math class, not fun. Mm -hmm. It's a flashlight repair school on steroids. <laughs> More with the Birdman, Ryan Parrott, after the break. So then you get out and let's jump into some of the things you've got going on. I mean, you've got a lot, actually. So let's start with Sons of the Flag. You know, that was my big thing of getting out of the service was, you know, the deal when you're out, no matter if you retire or you get out, you have a plan. Some of you don't, but most of the time we have a plan. You go and execute on that. But you miss that, that meaning and purpose. You don't realize how much meaning and purpose you have when you're in the military until after you're out. Yeah. And so I didn't have a mission at all. I was just working. I was bored at it. It fun, whatever. So... We were just in a boardroom with a bunch of veterans talking one day and there was this uh, army ranger who was severely burned, disfigured. And I had to ask him because I'd never seen an injury like that. And I said, hey, what are they doing for you guys today? And he said, look at me. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking. And he goes, this is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. I'm talking full disfigurement of his face, his hands, his body's been ripped apart to put skin extra places. And I thought about that idea I was in. I was like, what if that was me? 
how would I look at myself in the mirror every day? What would I do about it? Mm -hmm. And so I went home that night, grabbed a bottle of Jack Daniels and studied all night long. And I couldn't find anything. It was just outcomes research, things that unless you're a scientist, you don't understand. So the next day I called him and said, hey man, if I were to start something on your behalf, would you join me? He's like, bro, I'm in. And so that was the initial push of Sons of the Flag. It was to help one soldier, that's it. Yeah. And I immediately got reached out to by a firefighter in DC who happens to be a legend in the fire community. He's like, I love what you're doing. You need to expand your horizons to fire service and I wanna be your team leader in DC. I'm like, shit. I don't even know what we're doing. Right. Like, so now we got a chapter open in DC and they're trying to figure out what to do and trying to raise money. Where are we going? So started infiltrating different burn units and finding out where, what they're doing, where their problems are and how we can fulfill those or fill those gaps. And so they started giving us capital's needs list. I started reaching out to donors and firefighters just kept jumping on the team. And so over the last 10 years is our 10th year in office and we're in 38 states. We've got chapters around the country raising money like crazy. And we're helping burn patients get to real burn reconstructive doctors. So mm. it's like any injury that you get in your life, you want to go to the best, right? Yeah. So what if we were to find those and not just hand select them because of they're a cool person, but they actually, the resume and the people, their peers say that they're the people and then bring them on the team, like force them to be on our team because it's the right thing to do. And then give those patients a one-on-one -on -one with these this team of doctors to say, this is what happened to me. This is what I'd like. What can you do about it? And then we hand, we send them out to those doctors free of charge to get their surgery. Man, that's so great. one-stop shop. Yeah. And then, so sons of the flag, really, where'd you come up with that? I wish I could say I came up with it. So <laughs> yeah, it was a poem written in World War One based off the Civil War, North and the South fighting against each other. And at the end of the day, fighting together under God. And it's uh. called the USA. And I thought that was pretty unique because we're taking doctors and patients from all around the North and the South and we're putting them together. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, let's go. And we got the name. I got a trademark. So I now officially own it, even though I didn't create it. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so focusing on burns, I'm guessing is Bamsey down at San Antonio still kind of leaders? I know back in the day they were. Yeah, they're the only burn unit for, they're the real burn unit for DOD. Yeah. So that's the only one. We're very blessed in Texas. We've got the DOD Hospital, Brooklyn Medical Center. We've got Parkland Hospital in Dallas, and then we've got Shriners Hospital. So we've got a lot. Yeah. Um, not every state has a burn unit. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's like 480,000 people get burned in the USA every year, and there's only 300 burn surgeons nationwide. Wow. So, it is a specialty. It is. And I don't think people know it's a u u very unique environment to work in. I did, um, being an 18 Delta guy, you know, special operations medical school, um, I did my rotations in San Antonio, and one of them was at BAMC in the burn unit. And I remember day one, I had no idea that the temperature, for oh, yeah. example, inside a burn unit is kept at like 105. You know, they keep it super hot in there because it's a basically it. That's a uh, it, it it's a relief for the patients, right? Right. It keeps them the hot, the warmer it is, the better their skin, the burns, and everything does. But when you're getting gowned up because it's also high infection, right. so you've got a heated treatment center you know 100 degrees plus or whatever it was plus you're donning every bit of ppe oh, so yeah. that you don't because infection is the biggest killer that's right after a burn uh you know you're done you're like you're sweating gallons in the first couple of minutes it's like how the hell am i going to survive a full day <laughs> right know? exactly it's insane and that's just on a normal day i mean right. dealing with this bullshit virus right now too you know what do we have we have 
you know their bodies when they're completely taxed head to toe yeah. full thickness of the skin burn they have no immunity right so they're just it's, it's terrible and it then is. you think about the children's side of the house oh you yeah because their their bodies are going to grow and expand yet their skin won't yeah so what do you do and so that's really what we try to combat and so we help the patients and then we hire doctors every year to become burn surgeons so we fund 50 percent of all new burn surgeons in the nation wow so well, man, that's that an awesome cause man good job on that Fuck. thanks, thanks bro. um so then let's roll into the next one which is the bird's eye view project now yeah. which came first sons of the flag sons of the flag okay yeah yeah so tell us about that one well you know it's hard enough running one charity so I thought, let's just go big right <laughs> yeah, well, hey i was successful at this one might as well be successful at another one hey, why not? i mean i i kind of see it i get it it was it was rough <laughs> so the idea behind bird's eye view was sons of the flag only supports burns and we stay niche we can't go outside of that yeah we're gonna, we're gonna conquer that so, but we want another organization where we could be a pass-through so that we can support mutu uh, mutually supporting in multiple charities at the same time. We do extreme sports events. We try to do the viral thing, try to get kids to watch what we're doing because we want to influence the next generation to support. There are donors to be. And so we do insane extreme sports events. We raise capital through the experiential events. Mm -hmm. And then that goes to multiple charities around the country that we vet and approve and say, hey, these guys are not just looking good on the books, but there's a real mission set that the veteran or first responder sees fit. Mm -hmm. And then we go out and deploy money to them. So it's been a, we travel the world, do crazy, crazy Dude, shit. That, yeah. And it just keeps, keeps that world going like, this is what I'm good at. And I've been trained in it. So it's like, why not stay with something that I'm good at and then try to raise money doing it? Heck yeah. That's a great way of taking kind of what your hobby yeah. to a certain degree and and leveraging it to do something good, which is super cool, which I'm guessing then rolls into what we were talking about earlier, 7X. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about 7X and kind of like this big endeavor you're about to take on. Yeah. So we haven't, this, we've never released it. Nobody knows publicly. Ooh, yeah. I feel special. Yes. So <laughs> you are special. So it all started, you know, I've been doing extreme sports for a long time. I've been a skateboarder my whole life, you know, so- you know, the platoon would always be like, where are you going right now? I'm in an off-duty doing shaws or whatever. And like, going to the skate park. And they're like, dude, how old are you again? <laughs> I'm like, hey, fuck you, man. I'm yeah, going to be at the skate park. That's right. So I was always like, how can I convert what I do and what I love doing into something that generates awareness and money? And there's no money in extreme sports. Unless you are like Travis Pastrana or like the legitimate dude who will break themselves to death doing it. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure out how I can convert this. Well, we tried for several years and then... I lost my sniper partner to suicide in 2019. Hmm. And that was kind of a wake up call for me to say, okay, I'm tired of getting these calls and not doing shit about it. Like I'm tired of just raising money for the family, memorializing them on that holiday or that day. And hmm. what can I do? What are we missing here? You know, we keep talking about suicide, the numbers. And I'm like, what the hell is a missing link here? Hmm. Now, hear me. I don't think that I'm changing this. I don't think that I'm going to solve it. Yeah. But I'm going to do my part. So... The idea for me is looking at human physiology. You start up and let's just use the SEAL team since we both know it. You start day one of BUDS and you start breaking yourself. And it's constantly breaking your body. Everything about your immune system to your physiology, your sleep is garbage, your, your diet is garbage. You don't know what supplementation is. You don't know correct exercise. And then you get through BUDS and you start with SQT or then you go to your SEAL team. And then you start an 18-month cycle where you're just doing the same thing, the same repetitive bullshit. You go on deployment, which is worse because there's no sleep. And unless you're in my platoon and, you know, we didn't do yeah, much, yeah. <laughs> a lot of dry holes. Yeah. But ultimately, it's just this repetitive pattern. 
and year after year after year and 20 years, and then you get out and you wonder why you're fucked up. Mm -hmm. It's not just the concussions. Certainly it is the concussions and it's all the, the stuff that you do, but it's more than that. And so while everybody's looking into the brain side of the house, I want to look at the physiology, physiology side of the house, look at blood panels, look down to the core and look at what are we doing and what are we missing? And so we're going to train for the next year. This is 2022 and doing all kinds of diagnostics on the human body. I've got a bunch of other uh, army special operations guys and then myself and a couple athletes, uh, base jumpers and then triathletes. And we're going to test these theories. And then in 2023, we're going to attempt something called 7X. And I'll give you a little taste, but I'm not going to fully release it. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a crazy scenario, but just think about it is going to be the gnarliest extreme sports stunt slash just general stunt using fitness and extreme sports that I have ever done that anybody probably has ever done in their life. I don't know that it can be done. Mm. I'm going to attempt it with a team, um, but I don't know it can be done. Just think it is going to happen on seven continents in seven days. So you want to know more about that, go check out Birdman Actual on my Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And we'll keep leading you down that path. We are going to release this later on um, exactly what it is. Um, but just wet your noodle a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, and that'll be a uh, that'll be a ball buster. Seven con seven days. Yeah, and yeah. it's and there's something a function of physical fitness on each one plus an extreme sports deal. And the big thing for this is testing through this year to figure out how to teach a kid how to train right, yeah. how to understand homeostasis and getting back to true north. And then on the back end of this seven X project, we're going to reboot the system and we're going to show everybody you can. And so. If you're 20, 30 years on the job as a firefighter, a police officer, a military, a nurse, a doctor, yeah. how do you actually reboot the system? Don't let it get to that point, but how do you reboot it if you're already there? So that's what we're trying to solve for. And it's going to be, uh, yeah. it's going to suck. Yeah. It it's might, yeah. Be good. Afterwards, it'll be rewarding as hell, just like everything that sucks. Yep. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, we'll look forward to it. Now, once again, and we'll repeat all this, it's uh, at Birdman Actual uh, or Ryan Birdman Parrot, and you can... Uh, Google all that and find him on social with those uh, those call signs, for lack of better words. Totally. I think they call them handles. I like calling them so call signs. I was nicknamed Soup in the, in the, as a new guy, and the other guy was Sandwich. So when I got upgraded to Birdman, he stayed Sandwich. It was a plus. There you go. Yeah. 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 Soup Sandwich. Yep. More with Navy SEAL and extreme athlete Ryan Parrott after the break. Okay, so now let's all this action sports, extreme sports, uh, go through the list of all the stuff that you feel like you're pretty competent in. Man, that's Name's skateboarding. Yeah. And we've got base jumping. Yeah. So what's what is what let's back up a little because I don't know much about it. What are all the what are they? What are all the categories of extreme sport? There's a ton. I mean, anything you can think of that's not just like basketball, baseball, football. I don't consider those extreme sports. Yeah. Um, it's anything like motocross, the skateboarding, snowboarding, skiing, extreme skiing, where they do heli skiing to, you know, ski uh, ski base or snowboard base. Yeah. Know, wingsuit flying, parachuting in general, um, street luging, you know, mountain boarding, uh, yeah. wakeboarding, surfing, you know, anything that's just like, that seems like a really cool pastime. That's what it is. Even I fly in the tunnel. People are getting extreme with it today. Yeah. I mean, I was flying a wingsuit in the wind tunnel because we were testing, like, could we train with this on the ground? And if so, 
that won't kill people when they do it for their first time out of a plane. Right. And so I'm in my wingsuit flying in a, in a wind tunnel and the guy's holding me back and I'm forward speed 120 miles an hour. If he lets go of me, I'm done. You crash right in a sidewall. And dead. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, bro, <laughs> I'm trusting you. And you see the picture of him like really holding back. I'm like, this is not smart. <laughs> right. But you got to do it, right? You yeah. Save people's lives. So there's so many different categories of extreme sports. And I, I love them all because they're just so unique. I mean, in base jumping, you're in Switzerland standing on the edge of a cliff. The most beautiful place. It's peaceful. It's quiet. And your heart is pounding 180 beats a minute. You're doing oh, yeah. nothing. Right. And then you jump. And for that split second, you're just like, <laughs> and then you just start flying you're like oh my god this is amazing and you actually see yourself traversing over the land and you got to do the right math and you got to be smart about what you do and you got to be man or woman enough to say today's not for me yeah that was the biggest thing i learned from my advisors is some days you're not going to feel like this jumps for you so walk off the mountain and i was like okay got it so i do and that keeps me alive to do it another day Right. So biggest thing for me and why I feel I'm competent in these sports is because I always have advisors with me. I've never jumped by myself. And that's important. Yeah. It's what you learn in the military is you always have a swim buddy or you always have a teammate. Same thing in extreme sports is I always want somebody there who's been doing this a lot longer than me. So no doubt about it. Um, what's your favorite out of the out of the bunch? I would say skateboarding. Just because it's such a beautiful thing, it teaches you life lessons. You fall a thousand times before you get it right. So it's always about attacking that new trick. I'm an air guy, so I love going high mega ramps, vert ramps, you know, putting the pads on and seeing if I can do backflips and twists and all that. Um, so definitely skateboarding because it's also manageable. Like I can do it any day of the week I want. Whereas base jumping, it's not legal in America. So I got to go somewhere else and it costs money. You don't just go somewhere else. Do you? Or you just do something else. Yeah. You go black and you do it off a building at yeah. night. And, you know, there's complications there. Yeah. So, but I mean, base jumping, if if I were doing it professionally and that was my only thing, it'd be cool. But I think skateboarding is perfect. Cause I can also share it with my children. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. How many kids do you have? Two. I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old boy. Ooh. So I was off dive status for plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> They're still new too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've got, did you ever know Dave Scott? No. Dave, uh, he's a enlisted guy, gone officer, great dude. And uh, did a couple of deployments with him, but on the second one, and he was big base jumper. Like I remember we were in, uh, we were at Shaw's, shooting school he'd sneak away at night to memphis climb to the top of whatever whatever the tallest building in memphis was he jumped off this thing this is like i don't know how many months before deployment shoot opens but he turns around and slams straight into the building and then just smears his way all the way down right breaks legs you know freaking punctures punctures a lung breaks ribs he's in the hospital now he's got, now he spends the rest of the workup recovering. And then we go, our first stop on the deployment was to Guam, right? Once again, he disappears. And in Guam, there's a cliff. And at the top of the cliff is an antenna. So he's like, oh, I can check two in one. Nice. And then down below, you land on the beach. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. So he goes over, he climbs, he jumps, he lands on the beach. And then he packs up his chute and everything puts it whatever into a backpack or however he was going to get back. And as he's coming up the cliff, grabs a rock or whatever, he falls, snaps his neck dead. 
Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and this, once again, we didn't know where he was. So now it's all hands, the whole fucking platoon trying to figure out where is Dave Scott? You oh, know, and we were joking. We, we still joke about it this day. Like, no, where shit. did Dave go? You know, and uh, <laughs> great guy, fucking ballsy motherfucker. Um, and who would have thought, right? He survives all these crazy ass base jumps. But then on the climb back up, right? The simplest part of the day uh just had a mishap and that was that see that's the thing about base is it's the easiest sport in the world until it goes wrong (laughs) right and so yeah there's no recovery right right. i was like people give me credit for doing that and i'm like don't it's literally falling it's too easy and when it goes wrong is when you need your emergency procedures so that's why you practice and you just repetition yeah but he had a one he had a 180 and which is a very common thing in base jumping and it's super scary because you can pack your shoot right. And if your body's off tilt when you're actually going to pull or you throw yourself off tilt pulling and, and the parachute right comes around. on, you're 100, yeah, you're 180 degrees. So you're facing, coming right at that object and you have a split second to grab the lines and pull them to actually stall your canopy to get it from going forward. And then you have to start steering it in a different direction. Um, or if you have even more complicated scenario, which is a 180 line twist, you actually have to grab the twists, grab over the twists, grab a set of lines, pull them down to steer yourself away from the cliff within that split second. Yeah. Otherwise, you're impacting, and it's very, very unrecording. So, yeah, yeah I try it. That's why I like Nuts. getting away. There's base jumpers that are just insane, and they'll fly right next to proximity and terrain flying the mountains and that. I'm like, jump and get the fuck away from that cliff and just yeah. fly out into the abyss. Damn. Yeah. Now, these wingsuits, you know, once again, um, assuming listeners don't know what that is kind of give us the cliff notes version of wingsuits and sure. jumping with them so everybody calls them a squirrel suit right yeah, yeah. they look like the flying, flying squirrels, squirrels. Yeah. yeah and that's actually a company that creates them they're called squirrel so oh, nice so they have squirrel and then they have phoenix fly phoenix fly is the suits that i fly with um two different companies that are really the pioneers behind it um basically the suits are different sizes and so it basically gives you an option to fall and actually uh, cruise or drift forward so there's a fall rate. When you're skydiving, you're falling directly over the drop zone the whole time. As you get into skydiving further, you can actually start tracking. So you put your hands back and you actually get a little bit of forward movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the suits give you is a ratio. So for every foot I fall, I can glide two, three feet forward. And so the assumption is that I could actually jump way off target and fly around and come back to target. And that's what's the nice thing about wingsuiting and skydiving is you can actually move forward. So you can do all kinds of aerials and different tactics, but... Uh, we're not using them in special operations. I wish we were. Maybe they are in the super secret squirrel missions, but yeah. I've never seen them. But ultimately, it's for me, it's like a three to one glide ratio. So for every foot I drop, I glide three feet forward. And so I think the uh, the discussion is at 15,000 feet on the drop zone, I can fly for about four miles before I pull my parachute. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you take that into base and then you can actually get away from terrain and you can fly the mountains instead of just base jumping and then having to canopy down the mountain. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done any of that, but uh, it always looked cool. I just felt like, I remember hearing a couple of years ago, who was it that he was a legend in the wingsuit world, but hit that bridge. He was like trying to go mm-hmm. under the bridge, yeah. right? Or something like that. And yeah. I think whoever it was ended up dying, just smacked it. Just, yeah. So there's just a little timing issue. This is the problem with the sport is that you always want to try to one up your game. Yeah. And you can only tie the lowest record, right? You can't really beat <laughs> yeah. it. So yeah. it's a problem. It's a problem that we have had for a long time where people are always trying to outdo themselves and it's purely for YouTube sensations. 
right. like, look at this, look what I did. And it drives him to kill himself. And so the idea behind us is the camera can't tell the difference between 10 feet and 20 feet and 30 feet and 40 feet. So might as well do the 40 feet. Let's put error boxes around everything we do and let's just do it slow, be conservative about it. That's a good idea. Um, but yeah, Red Bull and a lot of these companies were trying really hard to push the limits and we had a lot of fatalities within base and this gave us this, you know, idea as the most dangerous sport in the world for a while, but they've started to slow their role. A lot of people have taken, <clears throat> taken an interest over helping each other slow down. So if you're interested in base jumping, just go skydive, do a tandem jump and have fun with it. And don't worry about that. And if you truly can't, you have to get into it, go get a school, go get with an instructor. There's an incredible school out of Twin Falls, Idaho that Sean Schumer runs. It's called ID Base. Go through that school. They teach you everything you need to know and you do it safely and you can have a, you cannot live the sport. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing skateboarding is inexpensive, whereas so, the jumping aspect uh, can, it can get pricey, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, my goal in life is to get sponsored by a real sp skateboard company yeah. so I could be the first non-professional to have my own deck. <laughs> that would be cool so cool i think you can pull it off i'm in um all right so extreme sports obviously you've been doing that since you were a kid right yeah started with skateboarding and then just grew from there and it, you maintained it i mean a lot of people don't they just kind of give it up and move on to other what they think is cooler things but i've never grown up right <laughs> i think that's what yeah exactly don't grow up no right none of us should mm -mm. i joke about we are who we are at 18 right that's right that's exactly right <laughs> and the rest is just an act military keeps you stuck in that world longer <laughs> yeah it does yeah it does um all right so now kind of twisting and turning you've, you've done the seal thing you've got some great successful foundations you do the uh extreme sport from time to time or is that a regular thing or i mean how do you do you have like a calendar you say all right i'm gonna yeah. Make sure I get in X amount of what, – what's that routine look like for you and how you maintain everything? Yeah, so the routine is as much as it can be with two young children and a wife who, you know, is trying to do her thing too in business. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's quite interesting. But the goal for me was, you know, this year, 2023, because I don't set new terms for the year or whatever. I think I just – I try to work hard every day, right? Yeah. Um, and I try to adjust based off of what I'm fucking up. So – for me, this year was I'm going to work four days a week on specifically the current things that I'm working on. And then one day I'm going to use specifically for extreme sports and then um, some creativity. And so that's when I don't go to the office and I don't stay home and work. And I go to a un, like an unknown location and I just sit there and I kind of get into my creativity. Hmm. What can I design next? Because it's not just about like for me, it's always about currency. Who am I today? What am I doing today? That's relevant to the community as opposed to, yeah, you know, once upon a time I served in the military, check me out. It's like, mm -hmm. I didn't do shit. I'm very proud of what I did, but I've, <laughs> you know the drill, man. We work with a lot of guys that are no longer here. Yeah. They're amazing humans. There are still a lot of guys that are here that are amazing humans and way better than me. So, and how am I doing for them? How am I taking, like honoring them? So it's about what I do today. And I'm not a SEAL anymore. You know, like I'm, I was a charity guy. I'm running a charity and I'm doing extreme sports. Yeah. And so why is that relevant and how can I make it relevant? So I do my creativity and my extreme sports. So I try to get out the drop zones. It's colder right now. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of wuss. I don't necessarily like uh, free falling in freezing cold air because it's so much colder upstairs than it is right down on the ground. Oh, yeah. But I make it a point to do something every week and... You know, the other day I didn't get to do anything extreme, so I just jumped in our pool 
and just about passed the fuck out. <laughs> Bad yeah. idea. It's cold water. <laughs> I did a four mile run yeah. and I had a 30 pound weight vest on. And then I get, I was like, yes, now let's do some cold weather training. But instead of getting in nice and slow, I jumped in and I just bought seized up underwater. Oh, <laughs> get damn. out. I was like, bad idea. And Move to the stairs. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a towel? Make a fire. Exactly. Damn. Yeah, I like that. That whole creativity thing. I'm trying to think, do I have an equivalent of that? I don't think I have incorporated that into my routine. Creativity or given that new place with new thoughts right new places generate new thoughts i think that's, that's a great idea the greatest place we can be because yeah. we're all creative yeah. every one of us and we just we don't utilize it enough yeah and i feel like my juices are flowing when i'm doing it but the other thing i've done is i had this cell phone that i gave everybody the number to because i'm the ceo of a charity right it's got to be transparent you got to be able to get a hold of me that's just important but it became where it was every day all day all night <sighs> all weekend and finally when you know your wife steps in it's like hey we need to talk I'm like uh-oh yeah. Phone too much. Um, so I got a phone um, and it was a flip phone. So I had to relearn it, which was interesting. Like, try texting <laughs> on that shit today. Yeah, the three letter options. Oh my gosh. A, B, C. A, B, B. No, I want B, not C. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I want a number. <laughs> so just give me the damn number. So uh, ultimately, I just put my close family or my close friends and my family in it. And that gave me the autonomy to leave my work phone at the office nights and weekends nice and so if somebody's gonna call me it's gonna be a conversation that's a, great it's a real deal yeah so that's helped me and then i realized huh. do my friends even like me nobody's calling because <laughs> they keep calling my damn other cell phone so i had i'm about to transition where i shut that work phone down and who has my number has my number and right that's it. i'm uh, yeah i was thinking about doing the same is changing my number because you just saw just now like all these calls coming in or we're trying to do a podcast and you know it just uh just doesn't work now but i think it's good to like change your number you know every couple of years just for the hell of it yeah you know? and kind of it's like it's like a cleansing almost you know? it is the telemarketers there's the regular marketing the automated marketing i mean there's so many different marketing systems out there that are calling that number yeah and so it's like well fuck it i'll go switch you just got to make sure when you switch to a new one that one belonged to somebody at some point these days. I remember when you could go get a new number and go, has that ever been used before? Is that right? Yeah. And you, they would tell you, no, this one hasn't been used. Be like, okay, I'll take it. But that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, every single combination of phone number has already been used. So you're going to end up with somebody else's marketing folks, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, but it's just, you kind of hope that, well, maybe it was like a I don't know, a teenage kid that owned this phone before me. Totally. Well, you know what's cool about it? So I went and went, I went to at and because that's where I was like, all yeah. right, got to go do it. And I was like, hey, what kind of number can I get? Can you give me something cool? Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah. I mean, what do you want? Like Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills? And I'm like, no, I want something cool. <laughs> I was like, like middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. me Alaska. Yeah. And so I got an Alaska number. Yeah, there you go. Why not? And so it's like nobody knows it. And I started to fuck with my dad. <laughs> so I started calling him. He doesn't have my number, and I just start blowing him up back to back. He, you know, declines me. I call him oh, again, and I just funny. do it like 15, 20 times in a row. Finally, he picks up. Who the hell is this? I was like, "It's your son." Yeah. What? What are you doing in Alaska? <laughs> I'm not in Alaska. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the internet plus, you know, now with mobile phones, borders are very, very gray. Yeah. Actually, they don't exist anymore. Right. You know. You can be looking at something on the internet that's halfway around the world, and you can go get a phone number that's halfway around the world as well. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. More with the founder of Sons of the Flag, Ryan Parrott, after the break.
Are you ready to see if you can survive this podcast? <sighs> yes. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let the cool music start to play. And uh, I'm going to get myself sorted and drop you right into this hypothetical survival scenario. Here we go. All right. I've got the screen to the right. This one will prompt us on questions. And I try to go back and forth between your, uh, your scenario and here. We'll see how good I do. I'm still new at this with this whole in-person thing. All right. Check. So here we go. You are in New York City. You are attending a convention with potential donors for your foundations. All right. It's a Sunday. It's about 4 p.m. And the event, which is going to last all weekend, is over. You take an Uber and head back uptown to a hotel. Okay. The car is a Prius. <laughs> awesome. All of a sudden, coming from the west, you see an incredibly bright light. I hope this doesn't give you flashbacks to your uh, getting blown up <laughs> thing. Um, a nuke has just gone off in nearby New Jersey. All right. So bad guys aren't fucking around anymore. They've bumped it up a notch or two. The blast was approximately three miles away from your locate your location. So first question. All right. It's coming from the west. Check. You can see that incredibly bright light. Nuke's gone off in New Jersey, three miles away. Do you A direct the driver to pull over, then exit the vehicle, or B direct the driver to pull over, trade seats with him since you're a better driver? I mean that's B. B? Oh yeah. Let's see what this thing says. And a. What? A, mainly because you're not going to get very far in, in New, New York, York traffic. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to be, uh, you know, you don't want to be in a Prius when you die. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's get in something cool. That would be um, my luck. Uh, so you have the driver pull over and he lets you out. People, of course, are freaking out everywhere, right? So gridlock is certain. Even with pedestrians, you know, there could be potential gridlock. Uh, the nearest building is about 150 yards away. Okay. So do you, A, get behind large concrete barrier or B, sprint to the nearest building? Hmm. It's a tough one. Uh, I know. Uh, can lead the way here, but there is a right answer. Man. <laughs> B. Sprint B. To the Sprint building. to the nearest building. Well, let's see what it says. A. Get behind the large concrete barrier. The reason being is that this blast wave travels at the speed of sound. Jack. I'm going to die. I know you're an extreme guy, and you probably are pretty fast. I mean, you just said you ran four miles and jumped in a cold pool, so you, yeah. might, you might actually be able to pull it off. I don't like watching my death right now, though. This is not fun. <laughs> yeah, so that's two. Okay, now you got you got to get a 70 to pass, all right? It's like back in school. It's back in school. All 70 right. is still passing these days, right? I have no idea. I hope yeah. so. I think it is, right? Yeah. I used to hear people say, I got a D, and I'm like, that's... Why is there D's? Yeah, I don't know. D is still not passing. Yeah, like, I don't even know why above. the D exists. A, B, C, or F, right? That's I mean, right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the blast travels a little faster than you can run. Um, 
even though you're really fast. Now, I'm not that. so sure about that. And then New York does have heavy concrete benches all over the place, right? I'd imagine and, so. And uh, raised medians and other, you know, concrete barriers or construction zones where there's the big concrete um, shoring and the things they use to prevent people from falling in. Um, so because you won't outrun the blast, uh, you want to take cover behind thick concrete benches, concrete walls, heavy concrete planters even, right? Check. So, knowing that, while behind the large concrete barrier, do you A, lay on your stomach, or B, curl up into the fetal position? Now, you, I know you know this one. Lay on your stomach. Lay on your stomach. What does the game say? Yes, lay on your stomach. And why is that, Birdman? It's <laughs> a great question because I guessed it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Do you remember uh, going through any like the grenade thing? Grenade, any of the grenade or any any explosive yeah. training? You overpressure toward yes, yeah. feet mm -hmm. towards the blast. Yep. On your stomach, legs crossed, so it protects all your femoral arteries in case shrapnel wants to go between your legs. Then you're opening your mouth. Yep. Oh and, yeah. And uh, hands over your head, covering your ears. Right. So yep. you're kind of relieving all that pressure and letting it pass through you. Um, so, yeah. And laying as flat as possible kind of helps with those shock waves and stuff that you're about to feel. Um, so, yeah. Good job. You got that one right. Yeah. That'd be an interesting deal. Oh, no. Or a nuke. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean. That would suck. Yeah. It'd just suck. And uh, with, with Russia feeling all feisty and China feeling all froggy, I mean, it's. You know, who knows what our future has, right? Okay, so which makes which makes these these scenarios pertinent, even though they're, they're I'd love to say they're unrealistic. Hey, no, I know what I'm doing on two of them, <laughs> <laughs> but you just never know, right? You never know. Um, all right, so you lay flat behind the concrete barrier and you survive that initial blast wave. So good job. Next question. So do you a Remain on the ground behind the barrier, or B, move, move, move to your next position. Move to the next position. I'm going to uh, agree with you. Let me see here, though. Yes. Move to your next next position. Structures will likely be damaged from the blast wave. A good rule of thumb is to get away from the compromised structures uh, and measure of three times the height of the structure itself, right? So a lot of things are going to be damaged. And if something's going to fall on you, you want to be three times its height away. That way you're clear of debris and anything else that comes from it. So you move from your concrete barrier, which would be damaged at this point, and uh, as well as the other structures around you are also damaged. Um, and you want to get away from them because they could come down on you at this point. The Uber driver is nowhere to be found, by the way. <laughs> but his Prius is still nearby. Sweet. Hmm. So next, take a look here. Do you, A, acquire, con or, you know, uh, commandeer the Prius, or B, uh, go ahead and grab an older model vehicle? Ah. Yeah, you know this one. Yeah, I would acquire the older model vehicle. And what's your initial thought? Why on that? Well, Priuses are electric, so God yep. only knows what you got, and yep. we don't know where it's at power-wise. And two, older vehicles that don't require electricity can drive. So. That is right, and the reason being is most people don't know when a nuke goes off, not only are you dealing with a nuclear blast, but you're also dealing with an EMP, 
right? It is such a huge blast that it has its own inherent electromagnetic pulse, which fries electronics. So anybody who has one of them old Ford pickups or, you know, any of your early, early, early model vehicles, mm -hmm. uh, the idea is, is that they won't be as affected. Now, they still could be. I mean, yeah. we all, we, no, none of us will ever know until the time comes. Easier to hotwire an old vehicle. That's too. right. Yep. You know, the circuitry of the Prius definitely will be fried. We yeah. do know that much. Plus, you just said, you know, why would you want to die in a Prius? That's so. right. Yes. Get the old, the old truck. So, also, older motor calls, um, older model cars have more mass, right? They, they're, they're made of steel. They're yeah. old school. Um, so they provide a little extra shielding if, uh, if there's some secondary stuff going on. And because you're three miles from the detonation, this means you have about 20 minutes before fallout starts. Okay. Um, you're looking due West, all right, at New Jersey, and you can see the fallout moving due east straight towards your position makes sense mm -hmm. um you steal an older model car that happens to have the keys in it you got lucky sweet so next do you oop, we got that right so do you floor it and head east away from the fallout or b floor it and head north parallel to the fallout it's mm, a great question so Floor it heading north. Right. Parallel. Yep. Okay. Let's see if you got it right. I think you're right. Yes. B. Okay. Because New York gets most of its weather from New Jersey. <laughs> uh, I think there's a joke there. So for this particular hypothetical scenario, a strong easterly winds are driving a swath of fallout towards you. Um, for fallout, you want to always go parallel, right? You're not going to outrun Mother Nature. Right. I always tell people, you're not going to outrun Mother Nature, whether it's wind, whether it's a virus. You're just not going to outrun it, mm -hmm. you know? It's going to take its course. So yeah, just right. buckle down, take your hits, and move on. Um, but in this case, a hit means death or cancer, like cancer that grows at rapid speed and you die. <laughs> so it's better to go parallel. Um you only have about 10 minutes left before the the fallout hits. So do you, let's see what we got here, A, run to the river and dive in, or B, seek shelter immediately? Mm. Seek shelter immediately. Let's see what we got. Yes, seek sh shelter immediately, B. There's somebody. Yeah. Found. Yeah, here we go. Um the fallout cloud could expand, and the wind can always change. Uh, and so with 10 minutes left, you now need to seek shelter immediately. With fallout, not only is there debris coming your way and a huge threat of gamma rays, uh, these will exist for many, many hours after the blast. So shelter is the only thing that really makes sense. You're not going to go hang out in the water for hours on end. Um, so you leave the car, you look for shelter. Do you, A, choose a wooden frame warehouse two blocks to the north, or B, a 10-story brick building two blocks to the south? Mm. The south and north. I'd say north. Wooden frame warehouse two blocks to the north. Yeah, you think so? Which one's going to provide the best protection? Well, definitely brick. Mm-hmm. But it's saying you're going south two blocks and you're just going north. What do you think? Uh, if 
final best answer. protection you just said so <laughs> brick obviously i'll take a fail on that one but it's brick all right let's see let's see and yes you are correct b uh 10-story brick building okay right. really when we're talking about gamma rays or any of that kind of fallout stuff it penetrates anything right check um this so, is not my world, by the right, way. It's one right. thing I didn't train in was <laughs> nuclear warfare. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting kind of training. Yeah. Did you ever do any of that nuke uh, training? I only did like the one where they put all your gear on. That's okay. It. That's it. On, and yeah. I was like, that's just bio, whatever. Yeah. No nuke. Yeah. Where I learned a lot of this was um, there were these exercises that they would do. And, uh, Without getting into classified and stuff, you got educated on nuke, and then you would go out and exercise everything that related to that kind of stuff, and it was pretty cool. Huh. Um, and anyway, you learned real quickly, you know, what's really going to work and what isn't uh, when you're dealing with these gamma rays. Um, but gamma rays have a penetrating capability, you know, and they can be slowed down uh, and stopped uh, when you talk about materials that are super dense right so concrete with rebar in it and all that certainly will slow it down okay. and make it less toxic to you or hopefully protect you completely um your primary concern with fallout and if you're going to have to go and find shelter and shelter in place for a long period of time um you know anything concrete steel you know that's where you're going to increase your odds of surviving it really um so yeah the large brick building is your best choice uh, Ten-story brick building is likely to be reinforced steel as well, uh, so that that definitely lends to your protection. Concrete. Um, so I'm going to a skate park. That's Check. right. Yeah, right. there you go. Skate park might work real well. Um, so you get into your brick building. Okay. Once you're inside, all right. Are you a stripping off all your clothes or b looking for food and supplies? Mm. Look for food and supplies. Are you sure about that? I would say so. <laughs> all right. Let's see what it says. Hey, strip off all your clothes. Reason being is you've been outside, right? And you, the dust and the waves, you're contaminated. Check. And you're going to drag that contamination into what would be potentially a sanitized environment from gamma rays and those particles. Um, so we got, you know, we got... You know, got crotch rockets going by, and then we got airplanes going by here. Love it. It's a great, great site. It's a great site for audio. I haven't been out of the teams too long. My first choice would always be strip off your clothes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah, you want now that you've been dusted by a nuclear, you know, wave. Yeah, you got to get out of those clothes. Um, so, yeah, like you said, team guys, we like to strip it down. So Sweet. you strip down. Uh, you find a bottle of water and you rinse off, Check. right? You get it all off your skin. Um, and uh, you find some janitor clothing to change into that happened to be in the building. So, last question. Been outside, been dusted, you know, you get your janitor clothes on. Do you A, shelter in place in the basement or shelter in place on the higher floor? Hmm. Yes. You're right at 70. You cannot miss this one. Oh, shit. You're going low where it 
might be denser. You're going high. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Is it that foot stop on the ground? <laughs> yeah. Going low. All right. Going low. Yes. Let's check just to be safe. Yay. A, shelter in place in the basement. Yes. Um, if you move to high ground, which is kind of like your first thought. Right? Yeah. Going yeah. to high ground, you think I'm getting above all this. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to fallout, windows don't stop shit when it comes to gamma rays. You know, you, you basically thinner materials the higher you go. You go into a basement or into the parking garage area. If it's, you know, anything below ground, mm-hmm. now you're protected by earth, concrete, steel, and you're probably going to limit the amount of gamma rays that actually get to you. Now, whoever wants to be alive for Fallout, I don't know. Yeah, you know right. It's just going to be you and the cockroaches, they say. So, you know, it's maybe maybe for you, you go high and you just base jump without your chute. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> sounds great. I think going out with a bang. Congratulations, though. <laughs> Ryan, you have survived this podcast with by right. the uh, hair of your chinny-chin-chin, they say. 70%. Good job. Um where can people find you? What else do you have going on that uh, people can uh, research, check out, and keep an eye on you? Certainly. I mean, the number one thing, go to the social media at Bur- at Birdman Actual. That's on Instagram, Ryan Birdman Parrot on Facebook. Um, those are the primary f- focuses right now because I hate social media. And yeah. so up until recently, I didn't do it. Now right. I'm getting into it to actually push the word out. We will start to push out more word on this human performance project that will have its own page at some point. Um, but easiest way right now is at Birdman Actual. That's where you're going to get daily information and uh, to keep on the journey. And I will share out all the charity stuff and just all the extreme sports stuff we do through that. Awesome. Well, it was awesome having you here today. I do appreciate you coming in. Um, that is Ryan Birdman Parrot at Birdman Actual on all social media. If I'm not, I think I'm following you. But if I'm not, I'm going to go follow him. So if you get lost trying to figure out where he's at, just go to who I'm following And you can follow him from there and watch all the good things he's got going on at Sons of the Flag and the Bird's Eye View Project. And then what's coming soon, 7X. So we'll just keep an eye on you, buddy. You got good shit going on. And like I always say, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And that's it for now. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson.